following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. And it's my great pleasure today to have the one, the only, Kurt Bodenhausen, the maestro, the guru on athlete earnings. Can I, can I call you the guru? I can do anything. That's this is good. my show. I you can, can call do whatever you, the guru. you want, Mike. <laughs> That's quite an introduction. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. So we have your second ever 25 highest earning athletes of all time, history of the planet, forever and ever. Very cool list. You know, just looking over, one thing that hits me, man, it's, you know, it's, it's a list. It's very diverse in terms of sport, you know, which uh, is interesting. It's a little diverse in terms of also like who's living and who's dead, which is also interesting. So before we get into the list, maybe the first thing you uh, should do is tell our listeners and tell me, please, your methodology. How did you come up with the numbers and who could make the list? Yeah, it is a diverse list, Mike. Uh, we got we got five guys, five golfers, five basketball guys, and then five boxers, and then a mix of other sports. Uh, Forbes, uh, before my time here, but you got to go back to 1990, Forbes started tracking the earnings of athletes uh, shortly after it started tracking the net worth of uh, Americans and then all billionaires. And the key, really, what Forbes was digging into the, a lot of the playing salaries are made public, but what we did was really dig in what people were making off the court or off the field in terms of sponsorships and appearance fees and, and that kind of info. And so what we've done is uh, put all that together. So you're talking about salary, prize money, uh, licensing income, endorsements, appearance fees, uh, golf course design fees. We tabulated that going back to 1990. We've got a few guys in there who were making money before 1990. Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas uh, go back the furthest. Uh, and so we, we had some estimates uh, for before 1990 for those guys. Pieced it all together and then adjusted for inflation to take into account all the money that guys like Palmer and Nicholas were making in the 60s and 70s. Uh, accumulated it up and, uh, and pieced it together. And top 25 guys go down the minimum cutoffs 470 million dollars you know most of these guys uh the money has just exploded in sports over the last 20 years so a lot of these guys have made you know the bulk of their fortunes over the last 10 years and breaking away for a moment to thank amica insurance and lifelock for supporting forbes sports money more about these sponsors later in the show what about, uh, like, investment income? Say somebody's parked a lot of money 20 years ago in the stock market. You know, obviously, they would have done terrific. Are investments included in this as well? No, no investment income. What we're really trying to get at is income that is uh, specific to their sport, what made them famous. So sale of a house, investment income, uh, we're not including that in here. Okay, so it's uh, if, if they made a business... Uh, investment, though, and what about you know? I'm thinking like uh, who's it? Michael Jordan into the uh, 
headphones or the music? What was that? LeBron. LeBron. LeBron, LeBron made Eye on Beats. So something like that we, we okay. factor in okay. because it was really a sponsorship agreement. Right. Okay. He, he got a piece of Beats uh, as part of that. Uh, so, so we consider that a, a, a part of his sponsorship. Um, unlike uh, he, he bought a, Cannon, a stake in Cannondale uh, Bicycles, a 10% stake in that uh, with his partners, made a decent in, uh, amount of money on it. But that wasn't any sort of sponsorship opportunity. We don't include that. We are uh, considering LeBron has become a big investor in Blaze Pizzas, mm. uh, which are catching fire, fastest growing food service brand ever um, in terms of uh, number of restaurants. Uh, LeBron and his partners own 17 of the restaurants. We factor that in also because he's also a uh, sponsor uh, for Blaze as well. So while we're on LeBron, he is, I believe, number 11 on your list of athletes who have earned the most in history at $730 million. Now that $730 million, how would you roughly divide it in terms of Salary plus his sponsorships and marketing and all the other stuff related to that. Yeah, the bulk of that is is uh, off the court. Uh, I'd say off the court outnumbers it probably. LeBron, at this point in his career, off the top of my head, maybe he's at two hundred and fifty million uh, in salary. Two hundred, probably two hundred million in salary somewhere around there. So you're talking five hundred million uh, off the court. Uh, right now, he's earning roughly about ninety million a year, uh, and about 30 of that is from salary, and then he's earning around $55 million, uh off the court. Uh, and so LeBron's one of those guys who's flying up the chart here. He, he, if, we, if we do this again next year, he'll, he'll be past uh, Shaquille O'Neal, and really uh, he's going to sign another gigantic contract next summer, uh, signed a lifetime deal with Nike. He's got new deals with Intel. The Blaze Pizza franchises are doing fantastic. So he's going to continue to be on this list, and he's going to be a bill. You know, he's three years away from being at a billion dollars. And is his contract with Cleveland up soon? Is he going to be a free agent? He's going to be a free agent this summer. Uh, every time LeBron's a free agent, it, it's a big story. A lot of talk of LeBron going to the Lakers, uh, which would set the NBA. There's a, there's a thing out there called NBA Twitter. People go crazy about the NBA on Twitter that it has its own. Uh, thing called NBA Twitter, and and once free agency kicks off uh, July first next summer, uh, you're going to see all sorts of crazy stuff uh, going on. And and once LeBron decides where he's going to go, whether it's the Lakers back to Cleveland, uh, you know, there's other parties who are going to make a run at him. Uh, then all the other dominoes uh, are going to fall in terms of free agents. But there's going to be a lot of teams that are just going to wait and see. What's LeBron going to do? And it, it's going to be one of the dominant storylines. He won't address it at all during the season, uh, but it, but it's it's one of the most biggest storylines going on right now in the NBA. So if you have a big market team like the Lakers, I'm assuming, what about my Knicks? Do they have a shot? I mean, could they be another big market team in there? Because I'm just trying to figure, if you get these big market teams, how, how could this free agency affect his income in terms of what, what it could do to his salary? You know, it, it's funny... Uh, I don't think it's going to affect his salary. The, the team that can offer him the most money is Cleveland uh, in terms of them uh, him being a current player there. CBA rules uh, uh. say that Cleveland can offer the most money. And in terms of endorsement income, in the old days, a lot of the sneaker deals used to have all sorts of incentives uh, where 
you know, if you're in a small market team, if you end up in uh, L.A. or New York, you get a bump up in your deal. But these high-level premium guys, uh, they've almost transcended their market. LeBron, yes, he plays in Cleveland, but he's playing to the world, really. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether he's in New York or Cleveland. His games are being broadcast in Asia. He's traveling over to China every year with Nike. Um, and so, I, I, you know, he's already got his lifetime deal with Nike. Uh, is he going to sell a few more shoes if he goes to New York? You know, maybe if he leads them to a championship, that, that'll goose sales a little bit. Uh, but he's getting a, 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 a guarantee, and then he receives a royalty on top of that based on uh, – sales of his shoes. Yeah, even in Saskatoon, Canada, they get who uh, LeBron James is at this point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So let's go right to number one. Michael Jordan at $1.85 billion in lifetime earnings. Um, you know, MJ played when salaries, before the big TV money hit the NBA and salaries uh, were that much, I think most of his earnings were for less, you know, his contracts with the Bulls were for less than $4 million a year or something like that. So where did his big money come from? Nike. Nike. <laughs> one word, Nike. Okay. It's, a, it's an easy answer with uh, Michael. Although back when he was playing, he was by far uh, the biggest endorsement star on the planet. Uh, he, he endorsed dozens of products during his career. Um, and but but overall, uh, Nike was the really driving force of what was going on there. Uh, you're absolutely right about Jordan. He only earned more than four million dollars twice uh, during his career in the NBA. Uh, Ninety-four million total. Uh, he had the two outlier seasons where uh, Jerry Reinsdorf could get around, paid him more than thirty million dollars, uh, which at the time was you know more than some teams were earning uh, wow. or being paid uh, but but he was certainly worth it you know he, he originally signed with Nike two and a half million dollars uh, cumulative over five years was the original deal plus he got a cut of shoe sales uh, but Nike turned the Jordan brand into this colossal business uh, now it breaks it out uh, on its uh, SEC filings $3.1 billion in revenue that Jordan Brand re- reported uh, for their fiscal year ending in May. Uh, revenue was up 13% for the brand. Uh, revenue's up $800 million over the past two years. I mean, it, it's it's still having an incredible level level of uh, growth, and MJ gets a cut of that. We estimate he gets, uh, receives $140 million annually uh, just from Nike right now. Uh, so, so it's been an incredible business for Jordan since he's left the NBA, and he's earned uh, the vast majority of his fortune after leaving the NBA because of the incredible success uh, of, of the Nike brand over the last dozen years, which has been growing like crazy, allowed him to buy a stake in the uh, Charlotte Hornets and become a billionaire, as, as you were first to report. You know, what about the Hornets, though? Has that helped him or hurt him in this recently? I'm thinking, like, the NBA in general has been doing great. A couple years ago, they got the new national TV deal, $2.67 billion per year for the league, divided evenly, so it doesn't matter if you're in Charlotte, New York, L.A., Oklahoma City, doesn't matter. Great amount of money. But the Hornets just never seem to be able to get it going on the court, you know, and, and make that playoff push, which, you know, really is what puts you over the top in terms of making money in the NBA. Where is MJ with the, with the Hornets these days in, in terms of it being able to help him? 
Yeah, his record as a, as an NBA owner uh, is certainly mixed. When Abe Poland had him as part of the Washington franchise, uh, gave him uh, total control of the franchise, made the disastrous Kwame Brown pick, um, and then got forced out of uh, Washington uh, after playing for two years. And, you know, financially, the investment's been a home run uh, for MJ. He got in for, you know, a, a nickel, uh, and the franchise is worth $800 million or so. Uh, but but you're absolutely right. They they haven't gotten it going on the court. The NBA the NBA is so hard to break through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the teams that have success. Uh, you know, you talk about parity. Uh, you know, sports leagues get killed for parity. There's no parity in the NBA. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's got- the same group of teams that are always competing for the title. Whoever LeBron is on, that's who represents the East. Golden State, <laughs> and Golden State, you know, shows no sign of letting up anytime soon. And maybe Houston's in the mix. Houston's in the mix. San Antonio's traditionally been in the mix, um, but but it is really, you know, unless you can get that franchise talent, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do uh, in free agency, unless you're in. L.A., New York, Miami, one of those really attractive markets, uh, then you've got to hope you draft that superstar player. Uh, the Knicks look like they might have somebody finally. Uh, in Porzingis, the 76ers, the process is finally seems to be working its way out uh, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But uh, you know, unless you're drafting at the top consistently and you get that transcendent talent, it is so hard to break through in the NBA. And Charlotte's one of those franchises that's just stuck in the middle. They're competing for the 7th and 8th playoff spot every year. Uh, Never do better than that. They're not tanking at the bottom where they're getting a top three pick. Uh, And and they're in that middle zone that is just, it's it's brutal for the NBA. And I I know MJ has money to throw away because why? He became a fractional owner in the new uh, Miami Marlins ownership group, right? He's got a tight, what, less than 1% uh, thrown in with the Sherman Jeter group. So, you know, he's doing good if you can put some money in the Marlins. He's following that Mich- He's following Jeter, the Michigan guy, you know, and uh, I don't know. Jeter's been a, Jeter's been a long-time uh, Jordan brand ambassador, and so I think maybe he's, uh, he's just supporting his buddy Jeter there with, with a few million bucks. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Doing a lot of holiday shopping from your mobile device? Retailers expect 54% of holiday shoppers to visit their sites from mobile devices. Scammers see this as an opportunity to steal your credit card information and other personal data by distributing phony retail apps. Be cautious and only download apps from reputable app stores and read the reviews for any complaints about malware. One in four people have experienced identity theft. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can still be stolen in ways you may not detect. Thieves could sell your information on the dark web or get an online payday loan in your name. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats. If you have a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can uncover threats that you might miss. Join now and get 10% off with promo code Forbes. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to lifelock.com and use promo code Forbes. That's Forbes to save 10% now. Maybe it's because I got so frustrated at playing golf years ago, I gave it up. You have a lot of golfers near the top of your list. You got at number three, Arnold Palmer, who passed away, I think, like two years ago, something like that. September 2016, Okay, Jack Nicholas. 
And then down at about number six, Phil Mickelson. A little further down, you got Greg Norman, who, who's been – he's got – it's a great business story himself. Um, but in general, before we hit the specific guys in golf, what is it about golf that enables these guys to make, in general, so much money? Yeah. Uh, golfers have a, a few advantages going for them. One, you can play forever. These guys have careers that stretch – you know, they might not be competing uh, on the PGA Tour actively, but they can continue to have business careers around the sport for 30, 40, in Palmer's case, 50 years. This guy's been generating money long after he was winning on the PGA Tour by creating a brand uh, around your persona. Uh, there are more than 400 stores in Asia selling Arnold Palmer branded goods. Uh, and then a couple other things are really the global nature of the sport uh, is very mm-hmm. advantageous. So these guys can cash in all parts of the world. Uh, guys like Norman, guys like Gary Player, they were flying all over the world, cashing in huge appearance fees you know, wherever they went. Nobody's made more in appearance fees than Tiger Woods. Uh, for a while, he was anywhere he went, three million bucks to get him to show up for your uh, exhibition or tournament. Um, and so that was tremendous. And, and, and three, the demographics of the sport are, are off the charts. Uh, golf fans typically are very wealthy, high disposable incomes, so they're willing to shell out for cars, watches, and equipment. And so these guys um, are very attractive to luxury sponsors uh, who, are, who are paying them to really be walking billboards. They're walking down the course, and the guys who do well, who are on TV every Sunday uh, during that, you know, that final round of the U.S. Open, getting tons of airplay, and they've got logos splashed on their shirt, on their hat. That's that's not free airtime. You paid the guy, um, but but it, you can command a ton of money as a top golfer who's consistently winning. Well, now I know why I don't watch that much golf. I'm not wealthy, and I don't have a lot of disposable income, <laughs> so I don't fit the demographic. Number two on the list is a golfer, and I sometimes forget he's a golfer because, sadly, he's, he's been ravaged by injuries. His body uh, has just taken a real beating. And he's not that old, really, but it's, he just seems old because of all the injuries he's taken in the last several years. Tiger Woods, $1.7 second to Michael Jordan in lifetime earnings among athletes. How's Tiger been doing recently? You know, you, you, him not being on the course, has that hurt his endorsement income? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you look at his endorsement partners, you know, you look really pre-scandal, post-scandal uh, is the real line in the sand for Tiger. Um, before this is 2009, I think uh, you go back there, and, and Tiger was king of the world in terms of endorsements. He was making 100 million dollars a year uh, off the course. Uh, you know, huge Nike deal uh, deals with Gatorade, General Motors, Accenture, AT and T. I mean, you name it. Uh, and this guy was commanding. Usually, people command a lot of money for their equipment deal. Tiger was commanding seven, eight million dollars for every deal. Uh, which is really unusual. And then with the injuries in recent years, you've really seen, you know, even those uh, brands that stuck with them after the uh, scandal uh, and, and subsequent divorce with his wife, you know, outside of Nike, most of the other brands dropped off and left him. Electronic Arts had him as the face uh, of the their golf game. He was on the cover for 14 straight years. They finally moved on to Rory McIlroy. Uh, and most other brands walked away. 
And so his earnings dropped down off the course. We've got him making uh, $37 million this year uh, in terms of off the course, which is still incredible because he hasn't played at all. Right. And he just came back and played in December. Uh, in term, he's, not, he's not that old. I mean, he's going to be 42 uh, at the end of the month. Uh, so, so, I mean, there is still time to come back and win. But his body, as you, as you mentioned, has been absolutely uh, ravaged. Uh, with surgeries and just years of just pushing it so hard uh, and, and on the back and the knees. Um, but but there is still time. And, and if Tiger comes back and, and becomes a contender again against all these young guns we've got coming up in golf, uh, I think you'll, consi- you'll see people come back, root for Tiger kind of as the old man in the group now. And, and that is that can be an attractive thing for sponsors as well. You know, number 13 on the list uh – Greg Norman. Now, he was uh, a lot of fun to watch, the shark. Um, but as I you know, read your piece and did a little more research on uh, Greg, he's an incredibly interesting branding story about how he succeeded uh, off the golf course with his other businesses. Uh, can you touch on that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Uh, he was one of those guys that recognized early on uh, the importance of a brand and really wanted to create a legacy. He didn't want to just sign a couple endorsement deals and slap his name on something. He really wanted, he, you know, he would talk about creating a brand uh, and a legacy that didn't last for two years or 20 years. He went to last 200 years. You know, he, he wanted to be one of those enduring brands. Uh, and so he, he had a revolutionary partnership with uh, Reebok in terms of uh, his, his great white shark apparel with uh, his famous shark logo, uh, multicolored shark logo that, that was splashed all over apparel. Uh, and then he went on and moved into all sorts of business. You know, got into wine. He was, he was uh, at restaurants. He was doing steaks. Uh, he was uh, growing his own turf that he was selling. Uh, and, and then he, he's transformed his – and then he got into all – he's gotten into real estate – um, he's gotten into uh, financial investments. Cattle, too, I think. It Cattle, was. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he's, he had really diverse uh, business interests. And, and now he's partnered with uh, Authentic Brands Group, uh, which has worked with Muhammad Ali, bought a stake in Shaquille O'Neal's business. And, and so the idea is that uh, he's going to work with them to, to take the Norman brand uh, to a, an entirely different level. Uh, so we got an upfront payment for that, and then they get a, a piece of Norman's business going forward. You know, you got a few boxes on here too. You got Floyd Mayweather, uh, seven hundred and eighty-five million. I guess he's eighth on your list, and then a little further down, you got his uh, adversary there, Manny Pacquiao, at five hundred and ten million. And then Evander Holyfield, four seventy five. And I, don't, I, don't, I skipped over to Iron Mike, Mike Tyson at seven hundred million. I'm guessing most of this money, well, maybe not for Floyd, but I'm guessing that with boxers, it's a little different. Where it's really their purses and their share of the pay per view, as opposed to their marketing or endorsement income. Yeah, all these guys almost across the board are, you know, ninety five percent plus uh, from their purse. And I'll point out with. Uh, Floyd, so so we cut this off. Uh, earnings June first, okay, uh, which was our celebrity list, our hundred highest paid athletes list, uh, and, and so since then Floyd had a, a little payday that you might have heard about against Conor McGregor. Yeah, a little one, uh, little one. Uh, was so, it about three hundred million. So, or something? Uh, the numbers are still coming in, but wow. he's, he's probably looking at two fifty for Woo. that fight alone. So so Mayweather uh, hop you know jumps up over Beckham. 
Bryant Mickelson and joins that billion dollar group uh, with that fight. And so uh, for Floyd, yeah, he's made some money in appearances, done a few endorsement deals over the years, but very little. It's almost entirely from purses. Uh, and that goes really with almost all the boxers. Uh, they, they've all De La Hoya, Pacquiao. They were probably a little more marketable uh, and they and they were more willing to do endorsement deals than Floyd was, who, who shunned endorsement deals for a long time uh, before doing a few of them in recent years. The, the purses in boxing are, are outrageous. Uh, De La Hoya uh, held the record before Mayweather. De La Hoya's fight against Mayweather, which set record for pay-per-view um, buys. De La Hoya was the promoter uh, through Golden Boy, earned $52 million. And that's going back to 2007, 2008, uh, which is a lot of, lot of money back then. Uh, still a lot of money now. Uh, and, and then the Holyfield-Tyson, those wars where... Tyson chewed off Holyfield's ear and all sorts of of crazy stuff going on. Uh, Those paydays were huge. I mean, Tyson, you know, Tyson went to jail, came out of jail. People were throwing money at him to fight tomato cans, but they didn't care because people were fascinated by Tyson Mm -hmm. uh, watching his rise and then fall. Uh, And and so uh, after that, even even after uh, you know his his more competitive fights, he was he was fighting guys who were kind of washed up and still getting paid. Uh, huge paydays. Just so our listeners understand, as you said earlier, but I want to reiterate, this is lifetime earnings, salary, marketing, sponsorships, all that stuff. Tyson, I think, went broke. I mean, this is not a net worth list. I think no No. matter how much he earned, his liabilities ended up far exceeding his income. Yeah, he went broke. Uh, And just to be clear, this is adjusted for inflation. Uh, so, so Tyson's actual earnings um, were, are, I think, somewhere around four hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, and after that first four hundred, he went broke. He had wow. nothing. He had nothing left. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's it's uh, and uh, Holyfield. You know, similar story. He didn't file for bankruptcy, but his house in Atlanta went up for foreclosure. Uh, he, the courts were chasing him down for not making child support payments. Uh, the boxing business is really tricky uh all sorts of stories out there about pacquiao spending money and uh ripping through his uh net worth uh so it's a very it's a very tricky business there's a lot of guys in there with with their hand in the kitty um trying to take their cut um and so that's why you, you hear you know going back to the days of joe lewis i mean just just really tough stories uh which sometimes happens to these guys in boxing one of my favorite guys, when I say that, I, I've interviewed him a couple times, one-on-one for TV, and I, I've always just really uh, liked him. I enjoyed him as a fighter. I enjoyed my conversations with him. Is Oscar De La Hoya, who looks like you have about uh, ranked 19th at $520 million in lifetime earnings. He, to me, is, a, is an interesting success story in terms of promoting uh, I know we made some had some big f- paydays. You mentioned, you know, the big one with Floyd Mayweather, tremendous pay-per-view audience. Um, tell me a little bit how Oscar sort of developed the promotion business in boxing and, and uh, sort of how he's doing lately, what he's been up to. Oscar realized, uh, you know, late late in his, in his boxing career uh, that he didn't necessarily just want to be a fighter each time. He he had been in the business long enough that he recognized that uh, he could take advantage of his his position in the sport as the leading pay per view draw, 
uh, and his expertise that uh, he had picked up over the years, started his own management company, Golden Boy Promotions, and then helped build up that business by promoting his own fights, uh, very similar to then the model that Floyd Mayweather would eventually follow with Mayweather Promotions uh, after he broke with Bob Orm. And so, you know, people saw the success that Oscar had. You know, it's really hard to capture the attention Mm -hmm. uh, and become a pay-per-view star. I mean, there's only a handful of guys that uh, each generation that really move up. And and that really helped attract other young boxers to Golden Boy who who thought that Oscar could help follow their lead. Uh, And and so at one point, uh, Golden Boy was was the biggest promoter out there and and is, is still one of those arguably the two or three largest promoters out there. Uh, and it's had a lot of success. I mean, there's been there's been so much transition going on right now with with the boxing world, with uh, what Al Heyman has done, uh, with bringing fights to um, over the air TV. Mm. Bob Orham has partnered up with ESPN. I think he's working with now. But what Golden Boy has, uh, which was a great coup for them, is uh, re-signing Canelo Alvarez, who's the biggest pay per view star in, going right now. Uh, and so he he re-signed with Golden Boy. Uh, and so with Mayweather out of the sport, Pacquiao, you know, almost out of the sport, Canelo Alvarez is by far the biggest pay-per-view star going. So, so that's a huge coup for Golden Boy. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money podcast and the following message comes from Amica Insurance. We're living in the age of the discerning shopper when savvy consumers increasingly favor brands that value authenticity, ethics, and a great shopping experience. Amica is committed to being a company people trust. Visit amica.com slash Forbes and find out why 95% of Amica customers with combined auto and home policy stay with them. One more time, that's amica.com slash Forbes to find out more about Amica Insurance. Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers podcast with Jay Moore, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sessions with Randy Jackson, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. As we watch the suburban garden gnome carefully, carefully without disturbing it, we notice that it moves like not at all. It's inanimate and utterly without brain function. But despite that, when a garden gnome hears about how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, it's clear to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. But on second thoughts, maybe don't watch garden gnomes too carefully. People might talk. You only have one football player on your list. Is that right? Am I missing anything? It's, it. it's Peyton Manning, Peyton. and he's down, ranked number 22 out of your top 25. $480 million earnings. Why only one football? I mean, Peyton's commercials are great. I mean, he's a, he's a TV natural. So, I, I, I mean, I lo- I lo- he really is. Tremendous, tremendous. On a macro level, Kurt, why is Peyton the only football player here and then – you know, getting into him specifically, how has he been so? Why has he been so successful? Uh, well, salary-wise, was tremendous. Earn, earned more salary, uh, higher cumulative salary than any other NFL player. Uh, but but NFL salaries, to a degree, are repressed be, because of the salary cap. Uh, you get those big signing bonuses, 
but but then you, you have smaller uh, annual salaries. Uh, and with the non-guaranteed contracts, um, you know, it's, it, it's really hard as an NFL player to rack up $200 million in earnings, which, which is a, a ton of money. But there's a lot of NBA guys that have made $200 million uh, over their playing careers in terms of salary. Uh, there's only a, a very small handful in the NFL. Two of them are Peyton and Eli Manning, uh, which is incredible. And so from that standpoint, their salaries are much low. Cumulative salaries are much lower than you'd see from the top NBA guys uh, and even the top baseball players, a guy like A-Rod, who, who's made certainly a lot more uh, than Peyton did. And then also the, the, the sponsorships are limited to a degree. Similar story with uh, baseball. You're limited to really the U.S. market only. None of your, your endorsements don't transcend. Nike can't use Peyton Manning. He was a Reebok guy for a long time. Uh, he, they couldn't use him uh, outside the United States. He just doesn't resonate. Uh, same thing with MLB stars. Uh, and then they don't have the big shoe deals. NBA guys, soccer guys, Nike's going to pay those guys 10 15 uh, in the case of LeBron, more than $30 million a year. Uh, a huge shoe deal in the NFL is a million bucks. Yeah, you got two great uh Examples of soccer guys with big shoe deals on your list. Cristiano Ronaldo, he's got uh, $725 million in lifetime earnings. And Lionel Messi, he's on the list at $600 million in total earnings. And I would say pretty much without question the two biggest stars in soccer and, and global brands. This is why they get those massive sponsorship deals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Neymar's bumping up. But those two have been at the top of the game for 10 years. I mean, player of the year every year, who is it? Messi, Ronaldo. Goes back and forth. They each got five now. Uh, I think think the last 10 uh, they've been awarded. So uh, absolutely. And and in that case, uh, uh, Ronaldo's a Nike guy. Messi's an Adidas guy. They both both earn more than $10 million a year. Uh, Both have what quasi-lifetime contracts with those companies. Um, and so th- those deals don't exist in the NFL. And so if you don't have that big shoe deal, that big cleat deal, it's really hard to make. You know, Peyton was the top endorser for years, but his endorsement earnings topped out at $14 million. LeBron makes more than twice that from just mm-hmm. his shoe deal uh, and four times that overall. Uh, and so it's really hard when, when you can only be in the U.S. and you don't have that big shoe deal. There's only so much you can earn off the field. Similar story with soccer. Uh, not only can you get that big shoe deal, but Nike can use you in every part of the country. Whoever, you know, whether it's an airline, a car company, whoever, they can use you globally because the sport obviously transcends just one uh, country. You know, you mentioned the importance or the advantage of being in an international sport in terms of marketing. Michael Schumacher, the great F1 driver, ranked fifth on your list at a billion dollars in lifetime earnings. He retired, like, what, two years ago? Something like that? More? No, he's, he's been out of the sport for a few More? years. He, he's, okay. he's, he's, he's struggling. He, he, uh, he got in a skiing accident in 2013. Wow. He retired, then came back oh. uh, and drove. Yeah, and then shortly after that, uh, he got in a ski accident in 2013, and he's He's basically, you know, he was in a coma for a long time and he's been completely 
uh, off the radar, uh, really trying to protect his own privacy, mm. uh, trying to heal, and his family has been very protective. Uh, you know, all sorts of stories have been release that um you know it's hard to know what what his health condition is right now but but we haven't seen anything um of him since then sad you know i think yeah i remember reading in fact that it was uh i think it was a su- they induced that coma to sort yeah. of help him yep. yeah yep. a real tragedy um because he, he did so much for the sport of formula one i mean he was the face of the sport because of how great he was and because of the relationships he built up with the fans. Yeah, he was huge. Seven-time, uh, won seven F1 titles, and, and really dominated the sport, uh, really elevated the Ferrari brand. I mean, you know, he, he constituted the brand uh, with excellence because of their success year after year uh, and made a ton of money doing it. He was the highest-paid guy in terms of salary, um, making over $40 million a year in salary at his peak, and then total earnings about $80 million at his peak because, again, uh, a global sport uh, where, he, where he really just transcended one market. But he also had, in, in addition to a lot of sponsors, he had a great licensing business uh, where he was selling uh, all sorts of Schumacher-type gear uh, and getting a cut of uh, everything that was sold. Um, so he, he was in a nice position where he could really control uh, his own situation and deal because he was by far the, the top driver in the sport. We have on your list David Beckham, a formerly great soccer player who wants to own a major league soccer team and looks like he's very, very close with getting one down in Miami. Getting closer. Um, but another, he was just another great marketing story, just just tremendous. But he's at $800 million on your list. And then you got a couple of former Yankees. You got Alex Rodriguez at five hundred seventy-five million. Now, Alex, I know, is part owner of an esports organization. Uh, eyeballed being an owner of the Miami Marlins, thought the price of one point two billion was way too high. And then the guy who didn't think one point two billion was too high, Derek Jeter, at four hundred ninety million dollars in earnings over his lifetime. Uh, those guys, and also, wait, I'm, I'm skipping LeBron, who's a small investor in uh, the soccer team Liverpool. Through Fenway Sports. Yeah, right, so right. He has that, that deal. Yep. So, Real small piece. Which I find very interesting, the move into ownership. You got Shaq, owns a small piece yes, of Sacramento. right. How could I forget that Shaq? And yep. he was in one or got out of another one at some point. Did he do some kind of switch? Was he in, like... I don't know, uh, the Dodgers or not the Dodgers, some other team? Or was it always was it always Sacramento? He's, uh, Sacramento, he, okay. he became an investor in, uh, I don't know, maybe going back five years. But but he's, but his name is always thrown around in, in any sort of deal that comes up with maybe he'll get involved in that because uh, he's obviously uh, earned a lot of money and he's been very business savvy. Mm. Shaq's sold over 120 million shoes. He sold more, oh, he sold more shoes than all these guys. Crazy. Um, but, but, at, but, at, but at a much lower price, so hasn't generated as much money as the Jordan brand. Kevin Garnett, didn't he own some soccer team too? Was it an Italian team he did a small piece in or something? Maybe he may have gotten out. I thought there was something there too. I remember. Might have. Yeah. Uh, so you may have said this earlier, and I'm sorry if I'm – What's the of these top twenty five highest earning athletes? Do you know what the aggregate number is in earnings here? Are we are we talking about four billion, five billion? The aggregate is close to twenty billion. Twenty billion. Yeah, nineteen point four billion. 
Wow. A lot of money in sports. So, so it's a little less than a billion dollars each, basically, on, on average. Looks like probably about $800 million or something like that. Yeah, and you got some guy. I mean, Ronaldo, Messi, LeBron, they're all making close to $100 million a year. Uh, those three guys are, are going to be flying up the ranks, um, and their earnings potential doesn't look like it's slowing down any time over the next five years. That's crazy. And the macro thing driving this within the leagues has been TV money. You know, it may not continue to grow at the pace it's been growing, but I don't think it's going to be declining. So it's going to still have, you know, the TV money is still going to underpin the salaries and the really the, the ability to market uh, and make brands, especially the way some of these guys use social media, you know, on Facebook and Twitter. It's incredible. You know, they've really become adept at that. So last question pertaining to this list, Kurt. You're talking about, let's say, three years from now. Who do you think the top five or six guys will be on this list? Anybody on this list or that, or new names, people not on this list that we may see on this list? You know, I think you look at the NBA guys. You look at a guy like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Uh, again, we go back to the global aspect of their sports. Both have gigantic shoe deals. Um, Steph's new uh, playing contract is going to start paying him $40 million in a couple years. Uh, and, and so Steph Curry is probably looking at a $80 million year this year. And he's not NBA. on this list, right? He's not now. on this year right. list, no. Right. So, but he will be. So, so Steph's a guy that can, over the next five years, generate $400 million uh, and, and probably will. And, and Garnett, will, uh, excuse me, um, Kevin Durant won't be far behind him. Uh, and so those are two guys that really stand out. And then, and then if you're looking at a guy over the next 10 years, uh, besides those two, I think you got to look at Neymar. Uh, he, he's, he's on pace to be the biggest name in the biggest sport in the world. And PSG just gave him that enormous deal. He's getting a ton of money from PSG. Uh, he's going to be the face of Nike at some point uh, in global soccer. And so he's a guy that maybe not in the next five years, but in the next 10 years, you know, he, he could certainly be in the top 10 on this list. So the listeners, Kurt, can get you and follow you on Twitter. What's your handle? I'm K. Badenhausen, which is a, which is a mouthful. Uh, B-A-D-E-N-H-A-U-S-E-N, uh, just like it sounds. And, of course, your posts at ForbesSports20.com. They're always there. Very interesting stuff. Can't wait for the next list. See the changes, the ups, the downs, the new names on it. And really the interesting story, which you hit on, for these leagues, these sports, and these individuals is not so much the amount that they've earned and the fact they're on the list, but how they got there. Very interesting stuff, Kurt. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, Mike. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Two thousand seventeen was a great year for us here at Podcast One, and we hope it was a great year for you. We launched new shows with Caitlin Bristow, Jim Harbaugh, Dick Enberg, and Randy Jackson. We've had some amazing guests stop by some of our shows, like Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, Julia Louis Dreyfus on All of the Above with Norman Lear, and Jason Bateman on Spike's Car Radio with Spike Ferriston. We are looking forward to a bright twenty eighteen with new shows coming online, like MySpace Tom Anderson, and we are welcoming back Dennis Miller to the podcast scene. This is Heather Dubrow. Happy holidays! Cheers. 
Cheers! I'm Caitlin Bristow, and I want to wish you happy holidays. Hey guys, it's Kelsey Knight from the Lady Gang. Happy holidays! We'll see you in the new year. From all of us here at Podcast One, we want to wish you a very happy holiday and a happy new year. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because, yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh, no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies, run along. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law. It is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.